And now it's my distinct pleasure to introduce our guest speaker. Last year, as the auto industry teetered on the brink of collapse, as our fortunes declined and our economy constricted, Ontario's finance minister memorably said, as Ontario goes, so goes Canada. Historically, sentimentally, and economically, he was spot on. As one of the founding partners in Confederation, this province of ours is home to one-third of all Canadians. It is the backbone of the Canadian economy, responsible every year for more than 50% of the country's manufacturing and a full 40% of its gross domestic product. In fact, if we were to compare Ontario's GDP to the world's countries, it would rank 25th. Ontario is also the chosen destination and eventual home to half of all of our newcomers to Canada, most of whom settle right here in the GTA and the Golden Horseshoe. Yet despite being the most diverse province in the country, Ontarians like mostly like to identify themselves simply as Canadians, with no qualifiers as to region, geography, ethnicity, or heritage. Clearly, what's good for Ontario is good for Canada. Equally clear is that Canada needs Ontario to be successful. I suspect, and of course the Minister will be able to confirm this for us today, that making Ontario successful again pretty much describes the challenge that's been laid in the lap of our guests today. As the Federal Minister of Industry and the Minister of Federal Economic Initiative for Northern Ontario, better known as FEDNOR, Tony Clement is the point person charged with cranking the economic engine that drives Canada. And because that engine, Ontario, has been running flat for generations, it just might, for the first time in recent history, need a tune-up. Here today to tell us about Ontario and the Canadian economy is the Member of Parliament for Perry Sound Muskoka, the Minister of Industry, the Minister of Federal Economic Initiative for Northern Ontario. Ladies and gentlemen, please help me welcome Tony Clement, the Honourable Sir and Minister of Industry. Well, John, uh, thank you very much for the kind introduction. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for being here uh, on such uh, relatively short notice. I really do appreciate your attendance here today. I know it's a busy time of year uh, in offices and in families uh, around the city and around the nation. Uh, I um, was discussing with John the most recent history of the Canadian Club, a club uh, of which I'm quite familiar, and uh, he informed me that uh, a couple of the most recent speakers have been uh, Gen General Rick Hillier and Academy Award winner Morgan Freeman. All I can say is a now for something completely different. Uh, I, I cannot even begin to match uh, the, uh, the quality and the interest there, but I hope uh, I can uh, at least give you a little bit of a sense uh, of our sense of the Canadian economy, and certainly as Minister of Industry uh, charged with the primary responsibility for innovation and competitiveness, how we are positioned for the future as well. Now, I don't think I need to remind anyone in this room that over the past 15 months, we've all been witness and sometimes unwitting participants in an unprecedented, synchronous, worldwide recession. These events that began abroad, but certainly reached our shores, have had an effect on Canadians and Canadian businesses from coast to coast. Companies, and as John alluded to, in some cases, entire industries came under pressure and attack. Jobs were lost, uh, unemployment rose, and Canada indeed did slip into recession. Ladies and gentlemen, we needed to act quickly, 
and we needed to do it on many fronts, and I am here today to say we did that, and indeed it has had an impact. I'm grateful indeed to have the opportunity to be here with you to discuss the release of our fourth report to Canadians on the progress of Canada's economic action plan and how it relates specifically to the province of Ontario. This uh, economic action plan, I like to say, uh, has three parts to it. Uh, first of all, it is a, an economic plan. It, it shows that our government is focused first and foremost on the economy. Secondly, it is a plan. It is not just leaving things to whatever the vicissitudes of uh, economic, uh, the economic storm will fall on this country. It is actually a plan for the future of our economy. And finally, it is an action plan. That is the second word, but the most important part about the economic action plan. It is not just a point of rhetoric. It's actually a detailed plan that has to be brought and has been brought into action. And so this economic action plan does indeed continue our Conservative government's focus on the economy, a focus which sees us just as determined as when we released the plan in the first place back on January 27th, a focus that saw us through the depths of the recession and will be necessary indeed as our still fragile recovery Take ho takes hold. Our plan is building our economy for the future while at the same time maintaining and creating jobs, uh, lowering taxes, uh, and something that I'm particularly interested in, uh, increasing our competitiveness. And our plan is working. We are keeping Canada among the strongest economies in the world. So earlier this year, we acted decisively in the midst of a faltering global economy and an international financial system, quite frankly, that was very close, in fact, too close to the verge of collapsing. It was a moment that required leadership, it required discipline, and indeed it required tough choices. I want you to know that our government listened to Canadians, but then we acted boldly, and we acted quickly. As Finance Minister Jim Flaherty stated in his report yesterday on our economic action plan, that plan is doing exactly what it was meant to do, providing unprecedented short-term stimulus in response to the global economic downturn while making sure, making sure that Canada will emerge stronger than ever for the long term. And so as we look back, as 2009 comes to a close, Canadians should be proud of what our country has accomplished at a time, indeed, when other nations were hit exceptionally hard by the recession. While other countries were trying to manage recessionary spending on top of chronic deficits, Canada's recent record of debt reduction and strong fiscal planning will help us not only emerge from the recession, but also move into the recovery with the strongest growth and the lowest debt burden in the G7. I've had occasion just in the past few months to visit both uh, the United States and the United Kingdom. I can tell you that our friends, uh, both south of the border and across the ocean, are facing very tough times, just in the United Kingdom alone. While we, of course, are disturbed by 
having a $56 billion deficit. The current deficit in the United Kingdom this year is £175 billion. And I need not mention the $2 trillion in new spending that the United States government is pursuing as well. And so while some nations must now consider tax increases in an attempt to manage new debt, I can tell you we will be maintaining the federal taxes that we reduced already. Uh, and of course, we re we've reduced them over the past four years, not only for Canadian businesses, but also for Canadian individuals. That is our plan, and we are sticking to that plan. Last January, we introduced one of the most comprehensive stimulus packages in the industrialized world. And after introducing extraordinary economic stimulus, we moved to get this boost into the Canadian economy in record time. And so I can report to you that we currently have 97% of the first year of our economic action plan committed, representing approximately 12,000 individual projects for the economy of Canada. And of these projects, approximately 8,000 of them are already active work sites, jobs being created, economic acti activity happening, making sure that our communities can be competitive for the future. And so we now have solid evidence that consumer and business confidence are recovering. Private spending on consumer goods has rebounded strongly in recent months. Following the declines at the end of 2008 and into early 2009, residential investment has rebounded solidly since March, March rather, led by increases in renovation activity. And that, of course, is due to the Home Renovation Tax Credit, one of the most popular programs ever devised by a federal government, where hordes of Canadians are using this year to build that new deck or renovate that kitchen or that bathroom. The overwhelming response to this timely tax credit has kept the construction trades very busy in what could have been a catastrophic year. Now, according to Statistics Canada, government capital investment, including infrastructure investment, increased by almost 25% in the third quarter of this year the largest increase in nearly a decade. What are we doing? We're investing in our universities, our colleges, our new roads, waterways, parks, arenas, pools, federal buildings, laboratories. All of this is happening at the right time. But I must stress to you, as I did at the outset, that our economic recovery remains fragile. And so we must vigilantly follow our plan of prudent and strategic investment to get Canada working and ensure that the recovery truly takes hold. We also have investments in social housing, as another example, and helping our low-income and vulnerable Canadians find suitable and affordable housing, which can be even more important in these tough economic times. And so a part of our stimulus goes to repairs, uh, renovations, and new construction for social housing projects throughout Ontario, as an example, that has resulted uh, in a joint investment under the amended Canada-Ontario Affordable Housing Program Agreement. Just as a result of that agreement, close to $704 million in joint investments 
will fund renovations and energy-saving upgrades to existing social housing projects throughout the province, helping to create jobs and, of course, strengthen local economies. Let me talk more broadly about the situation in Ontario. Of course, uh, I don't have to tell you that many communities have been seriously affected by this global recession here in the province of Ontario. The very future of these communities have been put at risk due to economic forces beyond our and beyond their control. But in Ontario, through the Economic Action Plan, our government is delivering nearly $12 billion in federal support that has been available this fiscal year to create and sustain jobs in industries and communities affected by the global slowdown. I can report to you that the progress achieved has been indeed remarkable. Let me just take a minute to tell you a little bit about what the action plan has achieved in the past few months. Approximately $460 million in funding under the Community Adjustment Fund has been committed in this fiscal year with 728 individual projects underway. Now this is a fund for our smaller communities. We have specific funds for our urban areas like Toronto and specific funds for some of our more rural or remote areas. And this community adjustment fund uh, was designed for the latter. But it does positively impact many surrounding GTA communities who have seen support for industries and communities that have been indeed hardest hit by the downturn. Let me just give you one example, Oshawa, which I don't have to tell you has been hit by the decline in the auto sector. They have just from this one fund received another $3.5 million to upgrade their airport, which will improve their local infrastructure and of course give them a new opportunity for new business growth. The government has also fulfilled a commitment that we made to the people of Southern Ontario to create for the first time a federal economic development agency for Southern Ontario called FedDev Ontario. Over the past decade, of course, Southern Ontario has seen a decline in its manufacturing sector, decreased levels of venture capital investment, and lower levels of innovation and commercialization activity relative to world-leading regions. This has been documented and I'm sure has been the subject of some discussion at previous Canadian Club speeches. But with FedDev Ontario, we have the ability through a separately standing agency to provide short-term stimulus to communities and businesses hit hard by the economic downturn. It will also deliver longer-term support for the restructuring of the manufacturing sector and enhancing Southern Ontario's innovation capacities. This is targeted transformational money that will make a difference for Southern Ontario just as regional development agencies throughout the rest of the country have made a difference to all of Canada's regions. And so we see that our action plan has been able to cushion the blow for those working generally in manufacturing but as John mentioned of course those working in Ontario's auto sector as well. The auto sector, it should be said, is a key driver of the Ontario economy. It provides hundreds of thousands, not just thousands, but hundreds of thousands of good jobs 
and has fueled the growth and prosperity of many communities in Ontario for decades. And when it mattered most, our government made a difficult but necessary decision. We stepped up and provided those repayable loans and investments to both General Motors and Chrysler to support their transformation, their orderly restructuring, with the goal to maintaining Canada's share of North American production. This is about the future, it's not about the past. It's making sure that we continue to be the place here in Ontario where 20% of the entire North American auto production takes place and where 80% of what we assemble and produce here in the auto sector actually adds to our exports to the United States. That and saving those 400,000 jobs that rely on the North American auto sector. I don't have to tell you that there is a supply chain in the auto sector that spans not only Ontario but indeed the entire country and uh, I make no bones about the fact that we had to protect this investment, we had to protect the highly skilled auto sector related jobs so that they are there for tomorrow. But it goes beyond that as well. We have a job as we know to reduce generally the tax burden that Canadians harbour as a result of spending decisions of the past and part of my job is to make sure that our economic policies, be they in taxation or on the fiscal side in terms of spending, actually enhance our competitiveness and our ability as a society to innovate. And so while supporting those key industries that were sideswiped by, by the global downturn, the economic action plan is also helping them become more globally competitive. This includes modernizing our competition and investment laws to open up Canada for business investment and to make sure that everyone plays on a level playing field by the same rules. By eliminating tariffs on a broad range of machinery and equipment, we are lowering operating costs for Canadian manufacturers and we are encouraging innovation. We are helping Canadian businesses through a reduced tax burden by lowering the general corporate income tax rate from 22% in 2007 down to 15% by 2012. And it's through these efforts and those provided in conjunction with and in partnership with us by provincial governments that Canada's overall tax rate on new business investment will be the lowest in the G7 by next year and by 2012 Canada will also have the lowest statutory corporate income tax rate in the G7. This is important for our competitiveness. It's important for job creation in the future. After describing all of these government measures, I'd be remiss if I didn't take a minute to describe in a little bit more detail how, how much has been done to strengthen the infrastructure that binds this country and makes our communities more livable. Just as the threat posed by the global economic crisis was widespread, so too was the scope of our infrastructure response. Since the release of Canada's Economic Action Plan, the government has, through the Building Canada Fund, committed more than $9 billion in federal funding towards over 6,700 provincial, territorial, municipal infrastructure projects 
which, when combined with their contributions, created a fund of almost $26 billion. Canada's Economic Action Plan also includes new funding initiatives such as the Infrastructure Stimulus Fund, the Green Infrastructure Fund, the Knowledge Infrastructure Fund, and something we, we like to call RINC, which is Recreational Infrastructure Canada, which together, together these funds are supporting thousands of projects and therefore many thousands of jobs across the country. This uh, funding in particular in Ontario has been invested in record time thanks to the high degree of cooperation that has been shown by all levels of government, federal, provincial, and municipal. Virtually every community has enjoyed a direct or indirect benefit from these projects. Some have green-lighted projects a month after the intake closed. That is to say, they got the shovel into the ground within 30 days. Some projects the government is providing funds to in and around the GTA include the restoration of the automotive building at uh, Exhibition Place, uh, the revitalization, finally, after many years of promises, the revitalization of Union Station, the Shepherd East light, light Rail Transit Line, and, of course, uh, what was just announced earlier this week, the redevelopment of historic Maple Leaf Gardens, uh, which means, finally, downtown Toronto will have a hockey team. <laughs> Through the Green Infrastructure Fund, we're investing a billion dollars over the next five years. This is a critically important fund. Not a lot of media attention has been put to the Green Infrastructure Fund, but uh, this will be very interesting. We'll be focusing on a few large-scale and strategic infrastructure projects for green energy generation and transmission infrastructure. Uh, you'll be hearing more about this in the weeks and months ahead. The Economic Action Plan also provides funding for projects designed to modernize rail service and upgrade infrastructure at key points along the Quebec to Windsor corridor. This again, I can speak as industry minister, is key to our future trade competitiveness. Another key to competitiveness is through developing our best resource, our people. 100% of the $2 billion knowledge infrastructure program, which supports advanced R&D and training by funding repair and construction projects at our colleges and our universities across the country, 100% of that fund has been committed. It has indeed been one of our most successful funds. And I want to commend, if I might, use this pulpit here to commend our, uh, our university sector, our colleges sector. They have really moved mountains and moved a lot of dirt to, uh, to get these projects going, get them built, and uh, make sure that our colleges and universities indeed can be competitive in the way that we can educate our people uh, for the future. Just in Ontario, the Knowledge Infrastructure Program means a federal investment of about $800 million, is leveraged at least twice that amount by private donors and by the province, representing a total of 56 separate projects. And then I'd be remiss if I didn't mention our popular recreation infrastructure program, RINC, has invested close to $30 million in Toronto alone. That's just in federal contributions, leveraging upwards of $110 million in total for 136 projects. And as a former health minister, I think that this is important as well for our, our physical health as well as for our economic health. Uh, just in that particular program, there are investments as small as 
$13,000 going towards improving Rouge Community Park, all the way up to the million-dollar expansion of the East Scarborough Boys and Girls Club. Again, a very worthwhile program. So in conclusion, I guess what I can say is that the Economic Action Plan's short-term success and foundation for future economic prosperity is based on this combination of speed but also collaboration. It's also based on a short lifespan. If we are to effectively provide short-term stimulus to counteract an immediate crisis, we have to provide compelling incentives to spend that money when it is needed the most. That is why we have now set a deadline of January 29, 2010, to commit the remaining funds for a number of major infrastructure programs for both this fiscal year and also 2010-2011. This is a strict use-it-or-lose-it approach that will ensure that stimulus funds are spent by the March 31, 2011 deadline. Allowing the temporary elements of the Economic Action Plan to wind down as scheduled by the end of the 2010-11 fiscal year is, we believe, an important but necessary first step in the government's strategy to return to the fiscal balance that served Canadians so well before the crisis hit. Just by sticking to that deadline, just by sticking to that deadline, this alone will cut the deficit in half from $56 billion in 2009-10 to $27 billion projected for 2011-12. And so, ladies and gentlemen, as we prepare for next year's budget, the success of our economic action plan compels us to finish the unprecedented work that we started. We have to make sure that we have an entrenched recovery so that it will continue for us and that we can continue to do what is right for Canadians and what is right for our economy. As I said, the government has provided much-needed stimulus to our nation's economy, that is timely, that is targeted, but that is also temporary. And I believe as industry minister that these strategic investments contained in our action plan will lay the foundations for long-term economic growth, but as important, long-term competitiveness. And if there is anything that we could get out of the last 15 months, that silver lining over that cloud that has been over all of the world's major economies. It is that Canada is and can, is emerging and can emerge with a more innovative economy, tax competitive, and ready for the challenges ahead. Canada today has its best days in the future. Thank you very much. I'd like to call on Susan MacArthur, Vice President of the Canadian Club, to come up to the podium, please. Uh, thank you, Minister Clement. Like much of the world these days, Ontario has certainly fallen on some tough economic challenges. But the people of Ontario know that down is not out. This is Canada's heartland, resilient, resourceful, and able to weather hard times. 
It's no accident that the Prime Minister chose Ontario MPs to manage some of the government's most complex and important portfolios. By extension, some of the country's most pressing problems. And what I would say, and I think what your speech highlights, is that it's critical for us here in Ontario to have strong voices around the cabinet table. And you look at what has happened for Toronto and for Southern Ontario, I think we have a lot to thank for the Ontario ministers that are sitting around that cabinet table. So knowing that you're keeping an eye on Ontario's interests and watching our back is something that is very encouraging, and we look forward to you continuing to do so. Thank you, thank very, you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you, uh, Susan, and thank you again, Minister Clement. This concludes our live television programming, and this will be repeated in the days to come on Rogers TV. We are grateful to Rogers TV and 680 News for their continuing promotion of the Canadian Club events. This meeting is now adjourned. Thank you all, and have a good afternoon.